Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Amplifying Voices, a FAC anthology podcast on partisan politics, policies, history, people, and California community colleges. The podcast is brought to you by the Communications Committee for the Faculty Association of California Community Colleges. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Tripp. My co-host is from De Anza College and uh, the post-production extraordinaire, Amy Leonard. Hey, Ryan. Great to be back talking about Pride with you. Thank you. Uh, for the second part of our Pride Month episode sequence, we're chatting with counselors, uh, perhaps faculty and students um, from the College of the Desert, and, as well as other institutions. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. So this 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 intro is, uh, question is aimed principally at the uh, faculty and counselors. So for faculty and counselors, uh, what is your ed- what is your what is your educational background, and how did you come to teach in higher education, and where and what do you teach? All right. So hello everyone. My name is Dean Steckman. My pronouns are he, him, his, and my educational background. Um, I started going to the community college when I was 26 years old. So I actually didn't know that it was possible to go to community college because I was not um, brought up in higher education. Um, my parents didn't go to college. And so it wasn't in my immediate environment. And it wasn't until I was working at um, Subway up the street from Moreno Valley College, which is a community college that I attended. Um, I got regular counselors and faculty that would come in. And um, one of them asked me what, what I was doing with my life. And so I just responded, you know, I was a single parent of two at the time um, and living with my parents because I wasn't able to provide for me and my children. And so I pretty much just told him that, like, well, this is my life because I didn't know what else was out there. And he said, what about college? I said, um, I already graduated from high school like 10 years ago and I missed my opportunity because like I mentioned, I didn't know. I didn't know community college was a pathway to go to the university. Um, so then he said, well, what if I told you that um, I was 29 when I started going to college and I was also a single parent of two and now I'm a counselor at Moreno Valley College and what I do for a living is basically talk with people like you and help them to realize their their potential and their path and I put them on that path and so what I do for work doesn't feel like work to, uh, for me and so then he said, if you're interested, come to see me. So I did. I went to go see him. Um, they pretty much laid it out for me on paper and said, this is how much you're making working at Subway six days a week. This is how much you would be making if you were to pursue higher education at um, Moreno Valley College or any other community college. Uh, So when I looked down at the paper, I was actually gonna be making more by pursuing higher education uh, because there was other opportunities like grants. And um, as I mentioned, single parent. So I was on CalWORKs at the time. So I had a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, I guess, opportunities for different types of grants that were available to me. So um, it was a no brainer. I mean, it was scary at first to take that leap, but he said he was gonna help me uh, along my path. And so then I quit my job at Subway, started pursuing um, higher education at Moreno Valley College. I started as a student worker, so I got acclimated to the campus a lot sooner. Um, And then I graduated, I actually started in 2012 and then I uh, graduated with two associate's degrees and I transferred to UCLA um, in 2015. And I ended up getting a uh, gender studies bachelor's degree at UCLA. Um, and then I went on to pursue my master's in counseling at um, Cal State Long Beach um, in the student development higher education SDHE program. I actually graduated from that program during the pandemic in 2020. So unfortunately I did not get a ceremony 
um, which was a bummer, but I mean, I still got the degree and I was fortunate enough, fortunate enough to um, actually land a counseling position right away, um, you know, in the midst of the pandemic and everything, even though we were remote, it was still a great opportunity. So that's the position I currently hold right now, which is the CalWORKs Counselor Coordinator at College of the Desert. Um, I do take on other roles at the college, like I'm the advisor for the Saga Club, which is our Sexuality and Gender Alliance Club on campus. Um, and then I don't teach that much because I'm a counselor. So I usually like just, I mean, I'm a counselor coordinator, so I kind of run the program, but also counsel in the program. So any opportunities to teach, it would just be like um, counseling courses. So kind of like introduction to college um, success type stuff like that. And I think that was it, right? Of the question. Thank you. Oops. Um, for our students, please discuss your path to LGBTQIA plus activism, your present college, your ideas, your past engagement, and your present endeavors. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right. Hi. Thanks for having us on. My name is Ruby, and I um, just graduated from College of the Desert, and I'm attending UC Irvine next year or this coming fall. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to be in the Criminology, Law, and Society program, and I'm excited about that. Um, I would say my path to LGBTQIA plus activism started kind of at College of the Desert. I've uh, always been part of the community, but I never went to a school that had any types of clubs for the LGBTQ plus community. I always went to Catholic private school, so when I saw that there is a club at College of the Desert, that was the Sexuality and Gender Alliance Club. I was really excited and I wanted to join. And I remember I joined during the pandemic for a virtual club rush and I met Dean and I was like, okay, you know what? I wanna be part of this club. And I also wanted to get some leadership experience uh, to put for applying and just to like meet more people in the community. And so I asked if there were leadership positions available and they said that they needed a president. So I ended up becoming the president of Saga for um, like last year and then this year as well. And I really enjoyed doing that. Um, I was able to walk in the pride with our group and we did a lot of fun events. It was really nice building community. Um, for me, like I always struggled with social anxiety. So I think joining this club was really helpful for letting me meet people. Like I said, it was really cool to just see uh, the queer community celebrated instead of kind of preached against, which I got at my schools growing up. And uh, I would say I've also always had a passion for social justice. And so combining the two has been awesome. Um, we, uh, I also started a social justice club at the College of the Desert. And with that group and then Saga, we were fighting for gender neutral bathrooms at uh, College of the Desert. And yeah, I would say that that really just like motivated me to keep going forward and excited to join the LGBTQIA plus group at UC Irvine. Hi, I'm Flaming. I also graduated College of the Desert this semester. Um, I'm going to be going to CSUC. I so I kind of started with the activism since high school. I dressed very well. There was a point where I dressed more them, and there I noticed that there was people getting bullied 
um not really i don't really like that stuff especially i think everybody deserves to be themselves eventually i started dressing more masculine and i started getting more uh bullied into like because of the way i look um, i'm sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um so i kind of like <laughs> i'm kind of like for me being the open target so I can give people the knowledge so how to treat people better like we all deserve respect um so I noticed that there's a pride center at the college of the desert and um so I decided to show up I mostly went there for friends uh, it's really hard to find people uh, that you can relate to um so I wanted more queer friends I felt like that was a location to find them I did make a good amount of friends and a girlfriend that's <laughs> always good yeah. <laughs> there any major endeavors you're going to be working on as you transfer or things that you're hoping to do when you transfer um yes I will be working while I trans like I'm transferring I'm in the process of getting interviews for some positions. Like I'm trying to get a job currently where what I'm trying to like learn. <laughs> um, yeah, my major is psychology and I'm more into helping people get where they want to be. Cause it's really hard out here, like being different and very unfortunate. Like I, I grew up with parents that didn't even go to middle school. So I, it was hard for me. I barely got my associates at 26 and the struggle real. Like I tried going since 2018 to finish my associates and I barely got it. Um, and Congratulations on getting it. Thank you. Um, so now I'm moving on to my bachelor's. I don't know. Luckily, like there's a lot of resources in this valley that I can get. I won't be getting my school fully paid for, but there's a lot of resources that I can hopefully get school paid for. Um, continuing, I do want to help out like the less fortunate. I personally have been there and still am. <laughs> awesome. Oh, is it my turn? Your I'm sorry. Turn. <laughs> okay. That's okay. 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 Um, I don't know, my path to LGBTQI activism out of my mom's womb. I, I'm just kidding. Um, my path to uh, um, activism <laughs> would have to be starting um, middle school. I was a different student, I would say. I wanted to wear feminine clothing. I identify as non-binary. Well, I didn't know if I was non-binary back then, but I just wanted to wear a different kind of clothes that, other than jeans and a shirt. Um, at, when I got to high school, um, I fully know who what my sexuality is, which is gay. Um, I joined my high school's um, Gay Straight Alliance Club um, <clears throat> till 
I graduated, so four years of um, GSA definitely impacted me for my activism and my pursuit to social justice for, uh, for the LGBTQ community. Um, from there, I got connections to the State Schools Desert Cities, which is an organization that is currently here in Palm Springs that um, works with all GSA's clubs and also LGBTQ organizations within high schools and community colleges. Um, after that, I graduated per. Um, Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Uh, 2020, did not have a graduation. So um, in college, I joined uh, Saga Club where I met Ruby for the first time. Oh my God, she was so amazing. Uh, then she introduced me to the Pride Student Leadership Team, which I joined, of course, not for the money. Um, then I met Cody, um, which is a lot. He's a lot. And from there, um, as of right now, I am majoring in liberal arts with emphasis in math and science, while also attaining my certificate of achievement in pharmacy technician, which I hope enter as a job uh, in the future, and also hope to become a pharmacist in LGBTQ-focused um, healthcare, such as DAP Help or Borrego Help, and yeah. Very cool, great to meet you. Thanks for sharing your journey. Right. This is, I think, open up to everyone. So uh, don't don't jump on this all at once. But uh, what is pride to you in the context of research, activism, um, and everything really under the sun in California community colleges? What is pride to you? Um, hopefully this applies, but being the advisor for the Saga Club and um, also I saw so this semester, the spring semester, we had so much more participants participants in the club and just in the center in general, uh, because um, as Ruby had mentioned, when she joined as the president for Saga like a year, a couple of years ago, it was pretty much just me and her in the space. A lot of the times we didn't really have that many participants, but um, you know, remember we were coming back from the pandemic. So it was really hard to just to get, um, you know, students on campus and first of all, um, so we did try to do Zoom and everything, but it was really hard at first. She stuck with it. So like, I really, I feel like, you know, that's pride too. You know, she she uh, believed in it because it, it's a student-led, student-ran club. Really the advisors, the faculty advisors are just there to support. Um, so although we are needed in order for a club to function, the students have to want to, you know, to, to do that type of work. And she stuck with it, even though um, we didn't have many participants in the beginning. And then this last uh, semester, we really took off. And unfortunately, like it was her last semester and now she's moving on. But I think it was also like a gift for her maybe too, uh, because um, as they mentioned, they found a lot of like community amongst each other. And it was really good to see that in that space in the Pride Center, which um, talking about like act. Uh, activism and like research uh, leads into what the students this last semester did as far as like, um, you know, Ruby mentioned gender inclusive restrooms, right? And uh, fighting for the right for that. So the way that that came about was kind of like they seen a need for it. Um, the students, so the Pride student leaders and Saga, I mean, they're kind of intertwined. Um, but across from our Pride Center at College of the Desert, is our gendered restroom. So it's like male, female. And so 
you know, that's kind of like a slap in the face every time you go into the space. Uh, so that's not acceptable, but also on the campus itself, like our main campus, we do have several campuses, but the main campus only has three gender inclusive or single stall restrooms across the, the campus that are accessible to students to use. There are more, but only faculty and staff are able to use it and administrators if you have a key. And so that's an issue. And so what happened was um, the students stuck with it. They, they really wanted to speak. They wanted to like basically make sure that something's being done about it because it is the law. You know, if we refer to AB 1732, uh, we should be having more gender inclusive restrooms. And so they just basically asked, what can we do about it? Uh, we started to try to see like how to navigate that. So it's been actually over a year in the process of trying to bring awareness to the issue um, so that something can be done and we can start to, you know, just change, change signage or just like, you know, make more gender inclusive restrooms or make sure that they're included in plans uh, we do have some like development going on. So they are expanding certain of our like Indio campus and uh, Palm Springs campus. So just making sure that those are included. So um, at first it was really slow, you know, as far as trying to get on the board's agenda. Uh, so we did speak to the board of trustees last or a couple of weeks ago. So June 15th, it is on YouTube if you all want to watch it. Um, uh, so it is recorded when we did present to them, but that, it kept getting pushed back and the students, although I felt like they were felt feeling a little defeated, like, you know, maybe they're not um, top concern or top priority for the college. They still stuck with it and still kept advocating to be able to speak um, before they leave, you know, and move on and transit uh, transfer. Uh, so we actually did get to speak to the board. And um, if you watch the, the presentation, it's a really amazing presentation. I got a lot of like my colleagues reaching out to me afterwards and said, you and your students did amazing. Um, hopefully something's done about it now. Um, so I think that that really speaks to the pride on that question. Um, and yeah, I think that that's it on that because I know I talk a lot. So <laughs> good Do any of the students uh, have any comments about uh, that particular experience? Yeah, so speaking in front of the board was awesome. Um, that was something that we really wanted to do for a while. Uh, we talked about it, like I said, in both the Social Justice Club and the Sexuality and Gender Alliance Club. And uh, I had an experience with another student that came up to me during Club Rush and was attacked in a bathroom for dressing like uh, feminine presenting and in the men's bathroom and was attacked by another student and wanted to know like what could be done about that wasn't really feeling like the school was helping him that much and that kind of like really uh made me passionate about it too it's like it's not like it was not happening anywhere anywhere it was happening at the school and so i think that we were lucky we had a really great group this semester and everyone was really passionate about helping out which was great and yeah we really liked being up there and i would say too just like pride to me was having the gender and sexual diversity pride center on campus was awesome i mean like i said i've never been to a school that had that and this was just a whole trailer that was there so yeah at the beginning it was hard to get students to come and stay like <laughs> dean would help oh maybe we have like a few students staying but it kind of just stuck it out because that whole center was there so relaxing dean cody everyone that works there they really made you feel like it was safe to celebrate pride and that we should celebrate pride and as a pride student leader too it was a more select group of 
people in the LGBTQIA plus community that were like coming together and talking about what can be done on campus to make sure that all students know about who we are as a community and to celebrate our pride and then to also go out into the community and celebrate pride at different pride events or go talk to high school students about our facility and just about what it means to be at pride and just all sorts of events um, that really kind of promoted activism and then like I said just talking to the students here and seeing like what like what does the LGBTQIA plus community on campus need and how can we make that happen and that is so important I think in these spaces. Excellent leadership. For the students on this podcast, what do you believe are the most pressing issues for LGBTQIA plus students in California community colleges right now? Uh, I guess I'll go. Um, I think allyship, um, especially from the faculty and staff. Um, we when we did uh, we did the safe zone training thing where we train um, up, up and coming. Um, or new um, faculty members and staff on on the um, on LGBTQ issues throughout the campuses. One of the main things that I really took upon was about how, about allyship. Um, we mentioned about you know how to incorporate allyship into a teacher's um, you know. Um, syllabuses or curricular work um one thing was um it's you should um it's more than just stating oh i am an ally to this community it's also about taking action of oh what are you doing for this lgbtq community we get it you know you when you when we do the safe zone program you get this you get recognized as an ally but beyond that, what do you do for this community exactly and for these students that goes beyond um, what is expected? Are you doing community involvement? Are you learning more about the LGBT history in the community? Are you helping students? That's what we really want as LGBTQ students, other than just you know recognizing as an ally. That's really good. You got to hold the faculty accountable, definitely. Any other thoughts? Yeah, so I think another issue we have in like California community colleges are not a lot of colleges use like preferred names. It was it wasn't hard for me to change my preferred name um, at College of the Desert, but there are certain things that you can't get by, like financial aid. Like they still have to use your government name, which is fine. Um, well, it's kind of not. They are dead naming you then. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's something important, like preferred names or using pronouns like that people prefer also. Yeah, that's a really easy thing for faculty to do is just ask you what your preferred pronouns are. Like that should be just on everybody's radar, I think, especially going into the next school year. That should be something that we sort of make sure all faculty are aware that they should be doing. And if you're going to be on Zoom, you should probably have your pronouns on there. I'm going to uh, piggyback on this. Uh, so I'm actually, I'm actually uh, I don't mean to uh, to blitz here the our uh, counselor here, but I'd like to I'd like to know what uh, he uh, he's hearing from students as well. I'm actually going to take advantage of the fact that we have a counselor on here and what he's hearing, if anything, from students regarding uh, pressing issues for LGBTQIA plus students. Uh, 
at his particular college and elsewhere, and then also perhaps from, from uh, his colleagues. And again, you don't have to address either component or you can address both, whatever you feel uh, talking about. Okay. And you said uh, students and others like that experience other stuff, right? Not just specifically students. Correct. So with students, I mean, at College of the Desert, we do have that safe space with the Pride Center, but I know across the board, like colleagues that are outside of, you know, College of the Desert, not all community colleges have a safe space, so they don't have a designated um, space for students to go to to feel that um, safety or to feel, you know, at home uh, because they may be trying to escape that from their, their where they are. Uh, because they're not supported in whatever, like however they identify. So coming to a safe space is important. And so luckily at, at College of the Desert, we have that and students utilize it. But what there is an issue of staffing for our Pride Center specifically too. And I, I feel like it needs to be higher on priority for that because so specifically with our Pride Center, uh, a lot of us are like they take we take turns to like as far as faculty administrators um, other staff go take turns like maybe holding office hours so like this last semester a lot of our faculty instructional faculty on campus held office hours in the pride center so that way it can stay open so that students can utilize it because we do not have someone designated um, like staffing designated for that space. So even though we have a beautiful space and students use it, it's not consistent with the, the times that they're open. And so, you know, it could be discouraging for students who are trying to say, uh, seek like safety or security or like, you know, that that may be their one time that they like actually work up the nerve to go to the Pride Center and it may be closed. And so like, and then if there's not that consistency with it being open, maybe they won't even come back because that, that was their only, you know, their only confident building moment to go to that space. Um, and I've been there, so that's why I'm kind of speaking to that. But I feel like that needs to be something that's um, prioritized so that we have those safe spaces for students um, and just people who identify, right? Because we, we can have some like outside members maybe looking to be a student or whatever it could be. Um, and then homelessness, housing insecurity, that's a big thing too. But at um, College of the Desert, we're right next, like we kind of share a space with our uh, basic needs centers. So that's really cool. So if they're coming into our center or vice versa, they'll kind of like come over and say, hey, what's going on over here? What, what do you all have? We have resources, you know, connect with people. And then um, it, they're also able to go to the basic needs center to get food or, you know, resources as far as, far as like housing uh, connections or whatever it may be. So if more campuses were to have that, that would be amazing for students because a lot of our students come to campus uh, for that safe space to be able to maybe take a shower because they're not able to do it somewhere else. Like all of those type of things, if we could just have a one-stop shop for students to be able to utilize, that would be amazing. Um, and then... As far as like um, colleagues go, I mean, I could just speak from my own experience. Um, and I also mentioned this in the, um, the Board of Trustees uh, presentation that we did. It was my first time like outing myself. And so a lot of my colleagues didn't know. Um, there was only like some people knew that knew of my trans identity. Um, the Saga students knew because I disclosed to them. There's certain people that I disclosed to. But initially, um, so I, I transitioned when I went to UCLA because UCLA, um, I, I'm female to male transgender. So um, when I transferred to UCLA, we had resources there or they have resources there. There's a lot of support there. And so I felt like 
And plus I moved away from my, like, as I mentioned before, uh, when I attended the community college, I was living with my parents and I was 30 at the time when I transferred. And so I didn't come out as anything until I was 30 and I already had kids. And that was because a fear of a lot of different things. And we can sit here all day to talk about that. But um, I felt comfortable because I was away from everyone and I was in a new environment. Plus there was that support embedded at UCLA with all the LGBTQ resources. And it was just me and my kids. And so I didn't have, like, I didn't have the fear of, you know, somebody seeing me that, or, or you know, I don't really, I don't want to go down that hole, but um, I felt supported. So I transitioned there. And um, after I transitioned, I was fortunate enough to pass. And so I've been living in stealth for like maybe my first, I think my first like six months on testosterone is when I started to pass. Since then, I was able to live in stealth because no one really could tell. And so I did because I felt like I still needed to get into my career. And I was fearful that that would like have it holding that identity was not going to afford me some opportunities. I don't know if that's true or not, but I just felt like that, especially because when I transitioned, it was 2016. So, you know, who was in office at the time and it was really, really hard uh, to do it during that time. So I was just really fearful. And so um, I lived in stealth and it wasn't until, like I mentioned, um, at the Board of Trustees uh, meeting where I outed myself. And the reason I did that is because I had to talk to the importance of gender inclusive restrooms because of my experience. Uh, we didn't have a student there to share, so I, I just shared it. Uh, but it was like, it was really like a therapeutic experience. And I think because I'm already like in my career, I felt comfortable enough. And I was also, I've been at COD for almost three years now. And so I felt comfortable around my colleagues and it was, it was cool because um, afterwards, a lot of the colleagues, you know, they see me in passing in the hallways and they were like, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable. They sent me emails, text messages. And so I feel like just having that visibility is important if one is comfortable to do that. But I think that that's like one of the steps in the right direction to change, you know, just change things in, in, in higher education and all the institutions in general. Um, so that's really all I could speak to because a lot, I call it the desert, we're in Palm Springs. So there is a lot of like, I do have a lot of colleagues that are out and gay and proud, but as far as trans identities go and um, different LGBTQ folks, um, I don't think that that's, there's not that much visibility out there. So um, just being that, and I think students and just people in general are able to come to me and um, kind of talk with me. I, I actually had a couple of students in, after that, come up to me and ask me some questions because they're also like interested in, you know, or just unsure of their identity and wanted to talk through it. So I think that that's important and I'm slowly feeling comfortable with doing that. Yeah, I think that's a really powerful story you just shared and also a good reminder for all faculty to make things just more welcoming, including for their colleagues. Um, it's not necessarily easy to just be like out and telling your story constantly. Um, I remember when I started at my college, I was immediately outed by most of my faculty, which was not a very pleasurable experience. <laughs> um, so that's not really something that makes you feel comfortable when you have to start like talking to everybody like that. So I do think colleagues sometimes need to know how to be sort of like brought into that space and also then making you feel comfortable enough to be an ally and not just an ally, but an advocate for people in your own situation. So very brave of you. Um, I did kind of want to get into this question. So question number six we had here, which was, what are your guys' perspectives 
or if you have any, on the fact that Stonewall is usually emphasized as part of Pride? Or do you think we should start talking about more recent events, things that many of our students might actually have lived through since there are so many going on right now? Let's say for that, I think that um, Stonewall is important to talk about because it really was a time when the LGBTQIA plus community kind of came together and was against police violence, was standing up for themselves. And they really brought on like a lot of revolution and change. And I think that it is important, especially because it's not like police violence has stopped against our community. It still goes on. And especially today with all the laws that are being passed, anti-trans and just the the general feeling that our rights and our lives are under attack by people that fundamentally disagree with us or for political or religious reasons, it's important to know that there this has happened in the past and fortunately it's continued and it should be used as a motivation to just come together and stand up and stand against these types of laws because we deserve rights, we are here, we are we have been here for a long time. We're not going anywhere, whether they try to criminalize us, harm us, put us away. And I mean, I look to Stonewall as being like, yeah, you know, this is something that unfortunately has happened and this is what we need to do. We need to bond together and defend ourselves, defend our rights. So I think that it is important, but I think it's also important to bring it into like what's happening today politically and how to like also get out there and vote. You know, there are other ways to defend ourselves just instead of, going against the police, but yeah, also still very important. Yeah, 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 I agree. I was just at Pride yesterday and it was very much the tenor of everything. Pride was a riot. So I think that's a good thing to remember. Uh, does anybody else want to add on? I, uh, I really do believe that Stonewall should be included. I also believe that it should be included in some way in a, in a historical curriculum and history classes or social justice classes, I mean, social um, studies classes. Uh, I feel like it is important to learn about the history of what the LGBTQ community have faced because Stonewall was a beacon of hope for all, for many of the LGBTQ members that is past, present and future. Well said. Right. Uh, so in that context, do uh, any of you have uh, recommended readings, media, or anything for our listeners to better inform themselves about uh, these issues that we've been discussing? Um, and this includes, but certainly is not limited to Pride Month and the idea of Pride. Any events that they can attend? I would recommend this book. It's called The 70s which is a breakthrough decade for LGBT rights. It is by Thomas Coleman. Um, he's of the Spectrum Institute. And it's uh, honoring the law students and lawyers who propelled the social and legal reforms we enjoy today. And it touches on uh, Stonewall and it's a really good book. I met the editor of this, Thomas. He's a lawyer. He, I mean, this is all by lawyers, judges, activists that are went through the 70s, which I mean, right after Stonewall happened and when it was really a time of big legal reform. And it's really interesting to hear from the perspective of you know lawyers and judges who didn't know if it was okay to be out, but we're coming together and really trying to uh, change our nation and give ourselves rights and it's in universities uh, and just all sorts of legal film or in the legal field. I'm a bit of a law nerd. So like, I love that. I definitely want to be a lawyer and like going to help our community. So I definitely recommend it. It's a really good book and just, yeah. And I think really helpful today to look at like 
what was happening in the past because there weren't there were laws against us being ourselves and people were fighting against that. And I think especially today, it's important to look to the past and know how to, you know, protect ourselves for the future. Great recommendation. Uh, a reading, I would have to say um, a book called, uh, um, the book that it's called This Book is Gay by Junu Dawson. It's a really good book. It's all about the explorations of coming out, the ins and outs of um, re gay relationships. Um, in terms of media, I mean, follow me. Um, but, um, <laughs> You can also follow our, our um, Pride Center Instagram at COD Pride to be knowledgeable about upcoming events coming up for LGBT that centers around LGBTQ. Uh, November, the Palm Springs Pride is coming. So, yeah. Great way to drop in, like a, a way to get some likes there. Anybody else want to put on there? Like, you can <laughs> say your TikTok right now. Go right ahead. Uh, so I actually watched this guy on TikTok. His name is Josh Hepcott. Um, he's very informative when he talks about like all the gay rights that are going, like um, activities, like laws that are going on. He informs you anything LGBTQ plus IA, like information that's going on in the world or more like the US. So I like watching him. Yeah, I find that Instagram and uh, TikTok have a lot of really great news sources actually out there for the LGBTQ community. So I highly recommend always sharing those resources. We'll finish up by asking this question. What do you believe the future holds for LGBTQIA plus pride in California community colleges? And what about for yourself? I would say for um, California community colleges, like I said, I had a great experience here. This uh, College of the Desert was the third community college that I went to. And like I said, the first one that really embraced the LGBTQI plus community, which I think is really important because for our community, uh, our members are more likely to experience homelessness or mental illness and stuff. And if you can go to a school that provides you with the resources to actually get ahead in life, it's really important. And I found that this school did, and I'm hoping that that happens at all of the California community colleges and just all community colleges in general, because uh, like Dean was saying, if you can come here, get a degree, can really improve your life status and improve your outcome in life and I think for our community it is vulnerable we are facing a lot of pushback I, I hope that you see that more in the future and then for myself like I said I'm hoping to go to law school and I definitely want to be able to help our community as well I don't know exactly where that's going to be whether it's going to be trying to help write legislation that protects our rights or going against big corporations or people and protecting the rights of like the individual. But I know that, you know, I'm always going to be part of this community and I always want to help them. I've gotten a lot of help um, and yeah, I'm excited for the future. Plans or events or anything that you're attending or engaging with? Um, nothing that I could think of coming up, but I'm glad you all reached out because I think this is an awesome opportunity for us to be able to speak um you know widely because this is going to reach what across is it across the state or just yeah okay and yes. actually to a lot of legislation as well so yeah. i mean i'm sure they'll be knocking on ruby so in no time yeah. our, uh, our organization is policy kind of not so much oriented but policy leaning okay yes yeah, so i think this is a great opportunity so i think like once we're 
we're just out there, we're being visible, um, more opportunities will come. Like I think, you know, presenting at the Board of Trustees, now this, and it could only go up from here. Um, so I'm just looking forward to continuing to support students, uh, but also having students like the ones we have here, but also the others that couldn't attend today um, that are very passionate about the community and just like bringing resources and support to students and just changing direction and all of that, so. All right, uh, well, that does it for this episode. Uh, everyone, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Uh, so, Amplifying Voices is a production of the Fat Communications Committee. Please do tune in next time. <laughs>